Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I'm so excited to have Derek McCoy on the podcast. Derek is the proud principal of Washington Middle School in Georgia and NASSP National Digital Principal of the Year. Derek is also a speaker, blogger, and co-author of The Revolution. Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. Josh, thanks for having me, man. I'm so excited about this. And as you know, the show is centered on leadership development, and I would love to hear your personal leadership journey on how you went from the classroom to the principal of the middle school. Absolutely. I credit my leadership journey to um, several people. First was my principal when I was a, a middle school math teacher, Dr. Sandra DeShazer. She was a great model for instructional leadership, diving into uh, building into people. And she really, she really was my first great model for a leader being accessible to everyone in the building, not just somebody closed off in the room. Just uh, followed her followed her lessons, followed her, her, her models, her coaching. Another, another important piece for me was as a middle school, as a, I'm sorry, as an assistant principal, Dr. Donna Peters, and now my good friend, Dave Cassidy. She was a North Carolina superintendent of the year for the year 2009, 2009. And Dave was my high school principal at the time, and now he's just a good friend. Both of them, they just took my leadership journey just to another level. Coincidentally, uh, tell this to the group, that was the year that I joined Twitter. Hmm. And, you know, it's, you think your, your learning journey or your growth is, is reaches a pinnacle, but just building your PLN, I started building my PLN under them. We just brought those conversations and just brought some great innovative things forward. So both of those models just helped just, uh, really opened the door to me being a middle school principal. And I've been a middle school principal at several schools over the last nine years, urban schools, rural schools, Title I schools, non-Title uh, non I, uh, but all have all just have great needs. Uh, we've done some great things at all the schools, and I just credit just the wonderful things we've done at the schools to my previous leaders. And so you mentioned several of your leaders that kind of mentored you and and gave you inspiration. I'm just curious, what qualities did you connect with the most? You know what? So I'll tell you one was intense relationship building. Intense. Donna Peters, uh, Sandra DeShazer. Donna Peters was a superintendent of the district, and it was a small district, but she was my first time seeing a superintendent that knew everybody, instantly started, could jump into conversation with anybody, just intense relationship building, same with Dr. DeShazer. Dave Cassidy was the first uh, person that I've seen who built a vision. And I mean, here's where we are, here's where we're going. And it was relentless. And he, he, he was a great model for uh, putting out there what needs to be done. And our kids deserve it. Uh, and believe in our kids. Believe in our kids. You know, Michael Fullen writes about focusing on the right drivers. We, we just had a good focus on the right drivers. We didn't make it about test scores, we made it about learning. So it was, it was good stuff. And looking back, what was one of the most challenging or impactful experiences that you had that created the most growth as a leader? It's not one experience. It's 
in several schools, it's just the constant work on school culture and school climate. I've read Jimmy Casas, uh, Culturized, but I'm listening to it on Audible uh, right now. And to, just today, he was just, uh, I just, I just heard him just talk about, you know, if you get a survey that says your culture is great, do you check the culture off? Of course not. You know, it's just ongoing, continuous work. So uh, I've had just throughout my, my career, we've done some great things to build uh, culture and climate. I've had some misses with culture and climate. It's just one of those things that you have to be attuned for and you can't get bogged down in it, but you just have to be attentive to it and you got to keep it moving. Uh, we got to keep the vibe of the teachers good and positive. And what was one of your biggest misconceptions as you moved from the classroom to a administrator? Oh, and we talk about this in the book. We talk about this in the revolution. You know, that the myth of the leader having all the answers, knowing everything, or the buck stops right here, uh, or uh, don't do anything until you talk to me. I think we instinctively have that impression or that model uh, because that is what we assume that when we were students, that's what we assume, that's the relationship between our principal and our teacher. That's what we assume there. Um, and sometimes even our teachers will tell you, well, I'm not going to do this until I get permission, that, that kind of thing. But that's not a, that's not a good culture. That's not a, that's not a culture where teachers thrive, and that's not a culture where students will thrive. We need, in the book, we talk about building a culture of empowerment, building a culture of collaboration. So that was one of the misconceptions that I had was that I had to be ready to have all the answers or I had to be ready to, you know, be involved in all the conversations and, and, and just have that, that level of control. You know, I thought I was going to have, since I'm a nice guy, that I'm going to have nice control. Eh, that's, it's, it's none of that. I really just had to erase all that from my, from my forethought. And after a year in my PLN, took years of my PLN to help me understand that we sit at a round table and we all move the school forward. In your experience, which leadership skills were the most difficult to develop? Relationship building. I'll say, I'll say my personal experience is relationship building. And it's weird because I'm a social guy. I'm a sociable guy. I know I'm personable. I believe in the good joke and, and laughter like everybody else. But building their relationship building a good relationship that is student-centered, not about the adult that you're talking to, but about the students and moving the school forward and keeping that tie to the vision. That is work because you got to connect and then you got to have to connect with the person. And then you have to make sure that we're, we're all on the same line and we're all aligned. Having those talks and making sure that all those conversations are converging at the end, everybody gets it and everybody feels empowered, that's a, that's a good one. So I believe you have an incredible pulse on the future of education as you travel around the world and you speak. What is one of the largest barriers to the success of leaders? Hmm. Um, I'm making you think tonight. You're making me think tonight. Yeah. Damn, what's up? <laughs> I'm going to go to a big topic in the book, and that's the old factory model of education. Mm -hmm. Okay. That old factory model of education is, it is a 20 pound weight around our neck. We experienced it as K-12, as students, K-12. We practiced it when we were in 
school, uh, undergrad or graduate, whatever. That's what most of the books and resources that we have talk about, that factory model. Even, even the media, even our TV shows, you know, think about TV shows, they don't show flexible learning spaces. They show desks and roads for the most part kind of thing, you know? It's, so we're just bombarded by that factory model. So that's what we want to perfect. So leaders want to, I think, they want to perfect a model that is 30, 50 years old. I mean, it's hundreds of years old, but when I say 30, 50 years old, the, the model that they experienced themselves, we want to perfect that model instead of giving up, getting truly learner-centered, creating some learning experiences, not lessons, but learning experiences that are going to serve our learners in our school. I know you asked for leaders, but that's, that's educators. That's educators. I think, number one, the leader piece is helping the, the teachers or the staff members in their school building see and understand that and make changes. But then the second piece is the leaders have to connect with other leaders and say, hey, guys, we want to do something different. How do we do something different? So help me do some things different. And that's, again, beyond the title. You know, it's not about principal or assistant school. It's department chair. It's a math teacher. It's, we all have that piece that we got to So I want to talk about your book real quick because you brought it up in a couple of your answers. The Revolution. Absolutely love the book. I think it hits a major piece throughout the entire book, which is the call to action. I know that we talk a lot about changing education, but there's not a whole lot of action. So what brought you and your co-author to write about the action piece? At the end of each chapter, we either give a call to action or some questions uh, for consideration kind of thing. Uh, and I credit Darren. Darren L. Elwine is the co-author. Uh, he and he's a middle school principal in South Dakota. And the call to action was is he came in with that fire to, and and, that, and that's what we want to do with the book. Yes, we want this book to be a resource, but we also want this book to we also want people to read this book, and and reflect and say, you know what, I don't have to do desks and rows or hey, you know, all. All 25 or 30 of my kids have to do the exact same thing in the class. You know what? I can change my role. So uh, in addition to the resources, and and we try to just paint a good picture about, hey, take a breath, but look around you, uh, pick some things. Here's some things that we've done in our school uh, that you can do, and, and, and you do some change. So don't just read about it. Do it. You know, um, we have a, we gave a keynote and um, closed the keynote in South Dakota where where we told people you know don't raise your hand to ask a question, pump your fist to to, to make some change. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of it. It's it because it's time. Uh, we the more we talk about it, as long as we talk about it and don't do it, learners aren't getting what they need. And we know learners need more personalization than they do standardization. So, so, so let's do that. For those who do not hold a leadership position, what are some other ways our aspiring leaders can make an immediate impact? I relish my time in the classroom because I was empowered. Uh, Dr. DeShazer came into the school building my, I think, my third year, and she just empowered. And, and, and it wasn't like 
I need somebody to write the school improvement plan. I need somebody to do this. She just reached out and she talked and she painted pictures of what the school needed. And when she when she heard people who were comfortable doing some things, is she is she asked or we or people just volunteered to do? And I know I volunteered to do, to do a lot of things. So be ready to if you see a need, be ready to be the person to fill that need, and don't feel pressured. And this is another piece that we got to get to. And we talk about this in the book from the student end, but it applies to us. My principal has asked me to write a write the school improvement plan or write a parent involvement plan or whatever, you know. And don't feel pressured to, to think that you got to knock it out of the park, you know, or just it's got to be airtight. This is about moving the school forward. So take risks. Think different. The better risks we take for students, the more everybody wins. You know, if we keep doing the same thing over and over, we're going to get the same thing we've always got. Uh, now is the time to, to bring some revolutionary ideas to the table. And one concept you bring up in the book is about technology, and I know you're very passionate about technology. What do you believe should be the relationship between the school and technology? A couple things. Yes, Darren and I are, are both uh, National Digital Principals of the Year. Um, at the time we wrote this book, uh, both of our books were one-to-one. But what I like to tell people is when I was a National Digital Principal of the Year, my school was not one-to-one. You know, we, we were just doing, we were just using technology, and this kind of gets into the answer to your question. We were using technology to change how we talked, to change student engagement, and to begin to look at how students could demonstrate their, their learning and their understanding. If there are some people in our school building who are hesitant or reluctant, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's coming, or it's not that we're upset with the disruption that is caused. It is here, period. It's been here for, for 20, 30 years. Um, so it's here, and, and, and that's it. It's not, so let's get over all the horror stories that, we, that we've had. Let's embrace the fact that students can access now worlds of information with a couple swipes of their thumb. Okay, and we could take so that takes care of the factual piece of the teaching that we used to do. Let's use that. So if the factual stuff is already there, let's use that to build and facilitate creative design that our students can can get into. It, it, it's the disruption has already happened. It has already happened. We can we can keep it out, or, or we can fight to keep it out, but it's it's already here. When we know for a fact that when we get beyond low-level lessons with technology, meaning 45-minute PowerPoint presentations where I read every word on every slide, and at the end, the students are either ready to kill the teacher or the teachers are, are ready to kill the students, then if we get beyond that kind of stuff, we talk about global connectivity in the book. We can connect with students halfway across the world. Some of the teachers and I, one of the teachers at our school started a relationship with a teacher in, in our car, Turkey. Uh, Darren has, um, Darren and some of his students connect with uh, some, some students with some classes in Scandinavia and, and Honduras. It's not about winning or losing that argument. It's just the wrong talk to have. It's here. It's here. How can you use that tool? And this also gets into the, the, the shift of the role of the 
adult in the classroom. We can't stand on the teacher being the font of all knowledge in the room. You know, we, we should embrace that, that we should bring topics to the table where everybody's a learner at a point. So it's not about do you know what coming in. If you know what coming in, is it learning? You know, uh, we can't be afraid that we, that, that we don't know what coming in. Let's embrace the fact of what we do with what we learn and what we accumulate and what we create. So with that is technology is change and with change comes vulnerability. And I know teachers have a very, very tough time being vulnerable in the sense that they don't know every single piece of that topic. How have you changed that mind shift with your teachers? That's fantastic. So we talk about uh, changing mindsets in, in the book. And one of the things that has to happen is we have to do more work, everybody uh, in all schools, we have to do more and better work being lifelong learners. And talking about I am a lifelong learner, people need to see me being a lifelong learner. We, again, we want to come with the answers before we come, before we come to class. And that's, that's that old factory, factory mindset. You know, the visitor coming to the room is expecting the adult to have all the answers. But if, if we're going to create, if we're going to create learning environments where, where we're learning and creating, we can't have all those answers. Ubiquitous use of technology means that it's not one standard practice or one, one piece of technology that's going to do it. We have to have an understanding that there's going to be dynamic use of technology. Everybody, or some students might, some learners might need technology. Other students might need a face-to-face -face interview, or might need a phone call, or or however it works. It's it's really about understanding that the mindset and our roles are shifting. So we have to constantly promote. I am a lifelong learner. And here's what lifelong learning does. You're going to feel uncomfortable saying you're a lifelong learner and, and embracing what a lifelong learner does. And that's okay. It's, it's okay to be uncomfortable. But at, in the end, when our students embrace the fact that they're going to keep learning because they see you keeping that, that journey going, then everybody wins. What is one initiative you've implemented on your campus or on your district that you're extremely proud of? So my last, actually my last three schools, we were, we implemented uh, Bring Your Own Device, BYOD. In all the schools, there were hard, fast rules about self, absolutely no self, no devices. You had them, had to be in your locker. Uh, just a lot of, you know, a lot of signage with the cell phones and a line through it, just the mm -hmm. real prohibitive stuff. So we, we counted that with PD on when you allow it to happen and you set up you know, your guidelines and when you can and when you can't and what you can and cannot do. Your worst case scenarios don't necessarily happen. We're in middle school, so of course you're gonna have some middle school behavior because you gotta, I mean, whatever. That cell phones and no cell phones. <laughs> you're still gonna have middle school behavior, but it's, it's not going to be the end all of the school. You get far more benefit than you'll get the, the, the negative. At Washington, we did. We were doing weeks of PD on BYOD, establishing the policy and the whole thing. And when we implemented it, we had some seventh grade science teachers get together and they planned this great activities on evolution. You know, they need a, everybody need laptops. Everybody need this. Everybody need that. And 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 since we're not one to one, 
And this is the purpose of BYOD. Kids brought their devices, kids brought their cell phones. And, and because a, a lot of it was just looking for the background, just taking care of the background knowledge uh, for the definitions and, and concepts uh, with, uh, with just a, a web search. That happened in every seventh grade science classroom across the building. It was, and it was a tremendous planning success. So far more benefits than, um, than the negatives. And in the one class where we had a problem, they took away the cell phone, the world kept spinning. It was awesome. And it was a great lesson. Mm-hmm. So it was good to go. So in addition to your admin position, you speak at conferences, you blog, obviously you're an author and you're very active on social media. How did you find your voice beyond your district? I'm going to say again, promotion and support from my previous leaders, uh, Donna Peters especially. She encouraged me to take our district message to some conferences in North Carolina at the time. And um, they were they were leadership conferences primarily. And, uh, and it was mainly on social media, branding, technology, just good encouragement. I'm helping some people, some friends right now with that same thing. Understanding that we all have a, a story to tell and we all absolutely have a voice. How do you want to use your voice is your question. Those first conferences, those first pieces were about the district, about what we were doing. But it wasn't until I got into the, to the, my PLN where I started hearing other, what other people were doing and how, how they were bringing the message together, not just about talking about what we're doing, but sharing what we were doing and helping others build up. That's, that, that really helped. That's been, that's been a great piece. And, and we, we can't forget that. If, if you're out there and you're thinking about starting your, starting your presentations, Think about how your story can help somebody else and make that a good component. Tell your story and help somebody else who's in a similar boat because there are people in similar boats, period. There are people in similar boats. So in closing, what is the most enjoyable aspect of leadership? You make a difference. I, I like to think that some years down the road when I retire that the ups and downs, I don't know what's going to be some years down the road, but let's just say it might be more downs than ups. It won't be because we got great jobs. We got great jobs. But the ups and downs, you make a difference. You know, you help change uh, either some teachers' perception or you help change the lives of some students. And um, we need to, we absolutely need to embrace that we have an incredible opportunity to change the lives of some students. And we talk about that in the book. We talk about adults. We don't get into education to enforce rules. We got into education to change lives. Embrace that piece. Just just make it worthwhile. Go to bed with a smile on your face. End the year in a great celebration. Have regular celebrations with other people. Share your joy on your PLN, your professional learning network. and. Um, and, and make it about the kids. That's what drives me every day. Mm-hmm. And Derek, how can our listeners connect with you on social media? Primarily my posts are on Twitter. So I'm at McCoy Derek, M-C-C-O-Y-D-E-R-E-K. That's also the website, McCoyDerek.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and, and those others. But like, but primarily, it's, uh, if you want to hit me up, hit me up on Twitter. And I, we're... Um, We're about connecting. You know, we grow together. 
Please continue to check out the Aspire podcast. And if you've gotten any value from the show at all, please subscribe and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. Don't forget to use the Aspire Lead hashtag as you continue the conversation on social media. Derek, thank you so much for being on the program. Again, Josh, thank you so much for having me. This has been, man, this has been a highlight of the evening. Thank you so much.